0: A cool name, by the way, Saul. Thanks. Yeah. Is that your, like,
1: that's my name. Yeah. Your
0: maiden name, your
1: uh, birth name. <laughs> yeah. That's my actual name. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I saw, saw your name and was like, that just like kind of fits, uh-huh. you know, with the whole, I don't know. It feels like it fits with like cryptocurrency, like money yeah. stuff, which is cool. Um,
1: I have a daughter named theory
0: theory. Yeah. So she's oh, got to cool. live with the same
1: thing. You yeah. Know, she's got to grow up in that same sort of environment where everybody's like. Is that your name? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you pick that because your name was like that? Or were you like, it's it was kind of a cool.
1: I, don't know, I really struggled with baby names, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just wanted her to be able to live a life where, you know, and this is only my opinion, obviously, but she would be in a classroom and she would be the only one named that. So like, you know, there's. Names are so common. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give her the opportunity to, to not have to experience that. (laughs) It's just why that was important to me. I don't know. You know, I don't know if you've ever read the book Freakonomics. Mm -mm. There's actually a whole segment in that book about names and how, uh, they could work against you, you know? So I actually did something that could actually, um, you know, be, or it could inhibit her in some ways, you know, in life, uh, the, the, Example used in that book was specifically about job applications uh-huh. and just like sending in your resume and someone's going through all these resumes, you know, and like what a name says about that person. Right. And so, um, th- you know, in that way, someone could say, oh, this is awesome. And I think like millennials, Gen Z, you know, people that are going to be in those roles in the future would love seeing a name like that mm-hmm. and might it make them it might intrigue them to to make the phone call to set up an interview. Right. I think in yesteryear, it might've worked against her, but I think she's timed properly with yeah. a name like that. No, I,
0: I agree. That's a that's a cool name. Mm-hmm. i I had a, I mean, my name's Devin. Mm-hmm. I've only met like two people mm-hmm. in my whole life that had the same name and they,
1: with only, that spelling.
0: I've only met one with the same spelling. Oh, I'm okay, sure. Wow. I mean, I've seen others, Yeah. but in person I've only ever met one that with the same spelling. The other ones have been D E V I N. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, so, that was pretty cool like not having to like mm-hmm. have like a josh or a, right which like nothing against those names it's just yeah. really common but um yeah so let's get back to before i got you water um how did you get into cryptocurrencies and blockchain and stuff like that
1: hmm um well i want to preface the entire conversation by yeah. just saying that um you know these are my opinions mm-hmm. and Certainly not advice, especially not financial advice. Um, And, you know, that's just, you know, what I say. And this is on a podcast. It's it's very much specifically for entertainment purposes only. Yep. Um, And so, you know, I I had a record label um, back in. It's kind of like, I'll I'll, I'll even go further back than that and try to zoom quickly to the point where I discovered Bitcoin. Um, But I went to school for audio engineering um, and... I moved back uh, to New Mexico and I had a record label um, that I was trying to do as a, you know, one of my first businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had this large collective of people that were working with me on, on the label. And uh, you know, we got to a point where it's like, okay, we need to have a website that like works where we can actually have e-commerce set up on. Mm-hmm. So we had like a splash page or something really basic. So I, at the same time I was running a A retail clothing store, really small urban hip hop clothing store in downtown Albuquerque. Uh, And um, I I was looking for, you know, to develop a site for that as well. And I uh, found somebody uh, that was, you know, a web developer, right. Mm -hmm. And they ended up uh, coming to my house to start to build the the website for the label. And um, they were just, you know, uh, doing some other things on online. And I was like really curious about it. And they said, you know, they, they asked me if I, if I knew what the Silk Road was and which is this, you know, I don't know if you know, but this radical, like underground website back in the day on the dark web. Uh, so it uses a technology called Tor, which is the onion router. And, uh, if you utilize that technology, uh, you can access these sites that aren't available on what you'd call like the open web. Right. Um, and that was just absolutely fascinating to me. Um, and so was the fact, uh, that you had to use this special currency on, uh, that site, right. Which is called Bitcoin. So that became more fascinating. Right. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that like there was some part of the internet that I didn't know existed. Right. But even more interesting is like, what the hell is this money that people are using on this site? Right. Mm Right. And so that became my interest. And um, I just asked, you know, more about it. And, you know, it gave me my first Bitcoin, plural, uh, you know, which is like most people actually don't recognize that Bitcoin is the plural for Bitcoin. (laughs) And so. Is it really? Totally. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, I mean, I don't, it might be so misused to this point uh, that it's actually no longer true. That it's the right. plural, uh, because everybody just says bitcoins all the time. Yeah. Uh, however, I I I find myself like, you know, unable to to use that terminology right. just because the 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 plural of bitcoins, you know, you don't see it spelled that way with an s at the mm-hmm. end in the white paper or any mention by Satoshi or anyone early in the early days. Um, so, you know, I just uh, understand that the 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 plural is. Uh, Bitcoin itself. So right. that's what I mean when I say that. Yeah. Um, that was long winded, but I guess it's just one of the, we all have these pet peeves that we see online. No, right? absolutely. And that's one of them. Yeah. Um,
0: I actually, I think I just saw that someone said that and I didn't understand what they were saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, because I was like, what, like, what are you even referring to? But right now? Now that makes sense. Now it makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, you don't say I, I have some golds, you know, that's true. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's similar in that way. In any case, um, you know, I just became fascinated by Bitcoin. I wanted to know more about it. Um, and it was, but it was pretty confusing um, to me at first. I didn't, I, I was like, it's cool that it's here and accepted on the site, but like, what else is it, you know? And how does it become, you know, what I, what I would say ignorantly back in, back then was, well, how does it become money afterwards? Right. You know, not realizing that, hello, this is money. Mm-hmm. This is like the future of Money and this is the monetary infrastructure for tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is today, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, th- that's what I didn't understand at first. Um, but eventually it just clicked more and more. Honestly, I took a long break, right? Like I had Bitcoin in 2011. Uh, I spent it, I didn't, you know, I shared it with others and I didn't uh, think much about it actually. Until a friend um, that I introduced to Bitcoin was visiting in town and told me about Ether, Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was like, that's fascinating. I've only seen a couple of other coins, but I haven't like really thought about it. I don't trade them or anything like that. So it was like late 2014 um, into January 2015. I uh, really started researching Ethereum. Um, You know, it was it was 76 cents at the time. Um, and when I picked up my first ether uh, and I just like, wasn't doing anything with my, with my Bitcoin. And so I put the majority of my Bitcoin in ether, mm. uh, you know, by using an exchange, I, like I signed up for an account on exchange. So like, right. okay, what are all these charts? And this is really interesting, you know? Um, and really didn't know anything, but just like made my way to understand, you know, market buys and limit buys. And like, I was not a stock trader or anything right. like that. So um, I had to teach myself. And then, you know, I just blindly market bought Ether with some, a few Bitcoin. <laughs> and, uh, and then like a couple of weeks later, you know, the price of Ether just exploded to like $7. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? You know? Yeah, I woke up one morning just like, completely enamored and like, you know, in shock. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that started it all that rush started like, Oh, what, what's happening and why is this valuable? And then the question of what is value stuck with me and like haunted me in some ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I find like Bitcoin and all the different coins and everything really interesting because like even the idea of money is just really strange totally. because it's just like a value that like we give it. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a piece of paper or like you swipe your card and it just transfers. Um, So it's been confusing for me to understand that transition to Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you had at the beginning too, where you were like uh, not really understanding the value side of the currency maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I have Bitcoin right now. Um, because I, like a few months ago, I was doing some research into it and, um, I've just been like looking into stocks and all this kinds of stuff. I invested Mm -hmm. in Tesla a year ago. Nice. Um, and have just been trying to figure out like where to store money that isn't going to lose the value of it. Totally. Um, so, but it still just doesn't make sense to me. Mm Like. Like. I don't see right now how this transitions into like the currency of the future. Mm -hmm. Like obviously there's a path for it. Tesla just opened up, like you can buy a car with it now, which is um, crazy to me, but Mm -hmm. like, I don't see, because it's such like a, I see it more as like a hold asset um, rather than like, I don't see myself spending it. So I don't know when we get to the point where you're like, okay, Mm-hmm. Now let's start trading this stuff. Totally. Um, because it's it just seems like it's too valuable, at least right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've thought about this a ton. And I've also thought about uh, the best way to kind of explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really have not found that perfect analogy yet. But essentially, it's this. So maybe one of your listeners can chime in and say, yeah. that sounds exactly like this, you know? Right. But, you know, Bitcoin essentially is rolling along and we are... Uh, investing in it, but we don't really feel like spending it, right? Because it rapidly appreciates against the dollar, mm-hmm. uh, typically over time. And so, I mean, not even typically, always over time thus far, yeah. right? And so that's all the data we have is Bitcoin only goes up. And you might say, well, I heard about Bitcoin in 2017 and went down a lot. You know, well, sure. You heard about it at the very top of uh, essentially a bubble in mm-hmm. the market. Um, But uh, go back, you know, from when Bitcoin was fractions of a penny, you know, and like that sort of experience, you know, um, and all the way to, you know, today, even every single market cycle, you know, yeah, sure, there's a dip, but never back to the previous all time high before it. Right. And so we've only ever gone up, really, if you were, if you have a whole uh, uh, time horizon of, you know, more than two years. And so um, certainly when you look at it that way, you don't really want to spend it. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. So essentially what I was getting at is Bitcoin's rolling along. We're like investing in it. And it is what we call Bitcoin. A hundred million Satoshis is what a Bitcoin breaks down to. So uh, it's divisible to the hundred millionth, right? And so Bitcoin rolls along oh, until we don't talk about Bitcoin the way that we talk about Bitcoin anymore. And we start talking about Sats or Satoshis. So, you know, how much does something cost in the future? A few sats or whatever amount of sats and not 0.00001, you know, Bitcoin for this appliance or whatever. Uh, We're talking about it in sats. And so it's really just rolling along. Once we do get to the time where we're talking about it in sats, uh, then you're going to see that widespread use. I mean, you already see widespread use, but the difference between... Today's use and that use is essentially you've been able to buy anything in the world with Bitcoin for a long time, ever since these uh, you know, Visa cards started rolling out. What's essentially happening, happening obviously, is someone is has a Bitcoin account, it's tied to a Visa card, and you spend the money on that card uh, at the shop or at wherever you are. And it's a debit against your Bitcoin account, which is liquidated at a market rate right then and there and transferred to U.S. dollars to the merchant. And so you can buy anything with Bitcoin if you're doing it that way. Obviously, um, you can also do that now with, you know, sending Bitcoin to somebody and waiting for the proper amount of confirmations to feel confident. Right. Um, Or also uh, spending uh, or utilizing the Lightning Network or another layer two solution that sits on top of Bitcoin that allows for instant transactions Mm -hmm. or any other cryptocurrency for that matter. Um, So, you know, we can spend it now. And I think once we start talking about it in sats, the way we do dollars, uh, then uh, you know you'll see widespread use, obviously, or at least the understanding of how it's mainstream.
0: So sats is just like the divisible part of, mm-hmm. of Bitcoin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why there's so many digits after.
1: That's correct. Yeah, because you know you have a hundred million sats. Yeah, that's what we call a Bitcoin. You know, actually, like this analogy that. My daughter is basically yelled at me over because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, "Check this out," <laughs> and I explained this to her, and she's like, "No, you're wrong." <laughs> and I was like, "I swear." And so, uh, you know, I'm, you know, many will probably consider this wrong, but I find it fascinating. The fact that, to me, Satoshi's the Satoshi to Bitcoin is similar to photography to video. So I was like, "There's no such thing as Bitcoin. Actually, there's only Satoshi's." And what we call Bitcoin is only simply a collection of a hundred million Satoshis. Right. And so the analogy was that there's no such thing as video. Yeah. There is only photography in sequence.
0: Yeah. There's just photo
1: sequences. Exactly. Yeah. And so when you think about it that way, you know, Bitcoin's the same way. We just call it something once we see it collected.
0: That's, that's really interesting. I never thought of even video in that way, really. I mean, I have a little bit because I've played around with video for a long time, but Mm. I've never thought of it in that mm. direct way.
1: Some videographer right now is like, you're an idiot because <laughs> yeah, it's not in the same, you yeah. know? And, and like, and they might, they're right. I'm sure in some ways, but to me, I it makes know. a lot I of mean,
0: sense. No, I think that you're completely on it because like, even from the beginning it was yeah. just like different frames that mm-hmm. you had to exactly. make and process. Yeah. And even today, like I am a videographer, I do videography work as well. And that's exactly what it is. Like yeah. you're just working. Like if you want to get slow motion, you need 120 or more of those frames or 60 or more of those frames to get slow motion. Right. And if you want like a cinematic, you do 24 frames. And like, you can imagine
1: being in an old cinema where you're hearing the click, 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 mm-hmm. and the different frames going by in the yeah. projector. And the totality of those frames is the movie. Yep. And so the totality of 100 million Satoshi's is the Bitcoin, right?
0: So right now the market cap for Bitcoin just went over one, at, trillion. one trillion for mm-hmm. the first time ever. And I think it dipped back below it right now, but do will talk about that. <laughs> just kidding.
1: I know uh, my friends are texting me all these hilarious things like, uh, like Bitcoin and Trill, like Netflix and chill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, it's getting pretty silly.
0: Yeah. I, um, I've, I've been seeing some stuff about like the volatility of it, like new investors into it. Like mm-hmm. it's just recently, I think become so, Easily accessible, Uh like with all the apps and everything like Coinbase and um, Gemini and those different types of apps, I suppose. Totally. Make it easier to access. Yeah. Um, I mean, back in 2011, I'm sure it was really difficult to access. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: then like, if you, you had like a, a, like a long password, Mm -hmm. if you lost, if you forgot it or lost it, no access.
1: Mm, Yes. In some ways.
0: I mean, there are there are. I just saw some stories because the Bitcoin prices started shooting Mm -hmm. up. That like there are people that have like two hundred million dollars in Bitcoin that they can't access. That's true. Which is like I would have rather not invested.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's always the chance that um, you you figure it out, right?
0: I suppose.
1: Like you find your seed phrase. Yeah. What that long string of numbers is is called a private key, Mm -hmm. right? And um, really a hash of a private key it would be a, a mnemonic uh, seed phrase, which is 12 or 24 words in most cases. And um, when you have those words, it you know can be kind of reversed in a way, I'm, I'm putting this real layman's terms, um, to your private key, which gives you access. And really what that access is, is actually the ability to spend. And that's it. And so there's a public key, private key pairing, uh, which makes up any wallet. Right. Um, and you can actually have many, many public keys, right. Um, and one private key to access, you know, them. And so, you know, if you lose that private key or you didn't ha- write down the the seed phrase, you know, uh, then it, you're not going to be able to access or spend that coin. Of course you can know the public key and view the amount of Bitcoin that are, that's in that wallet, but there's no way to spin them. (laughs) And so, yeah, you know, Bitcoin comes with a responsibility uh, to be your own bank, and you must be responsible for the security or the OPSEC, the operational security, uh, to manage your own Bitcoin, which is why custodial uh, solutions are are so popular, like Coinbase.
0: What do you think of those? Because I've seen, I mean, there's tons of apps now that Mm -hmm. let you do it but I've seen there's a lot of different like it's not as I guess it's like other apps where there's better ones than others. Sure. I mean, Elon Musk just tweeted at someone. They're like, your app sucks. (laughs) And it was like a free wallet or something like that. I
1: actually read that. That was hilarious. Wow.
0: Um, And I was I was like, I don't like why is this wallet so much worse than others? And then.
1: Well, he explained it right under that tweet.
0: I did. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Like, you don't it's not yours. So
1: the saying in Bitcoin is not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Uh, Because if you don't have your own private keys, meaning you're using a custodial solution, then you don't really own that Bitcoin. Uh, You own an IOU for that Bitcoin. Right. And so that's exactly what Coinbase is. Now, Brian Armstrong from Coinbase would argue, you know, against the point that uh, and say, you know, your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin no matter what and all this. But the fact of the matter is um, you can't move it without uh, asking Coinbase to do so. And, and and if something happened, you know, with, with Coinbase, which I'm not suggesting something would, right. you know, I think they're extremely secure. Um, but essentially, if something happened, you know, it's not your Bitcoin unless you actually have access to it via private keys how how do you how does
0: one get access like without uh, like a coinbase or mm-hmm. a Gemini wallet or whatever
1: That's a good question. so what we kind of called those solutions are on ramps so fiat on ramps meaning you have a bank account, you have some u s dollars and you want to buy Bitcoin well, you would sign up for a custodial account like that and utilize it as a fiat on ramp and purchase bitcoin um so you know. That could be the way that you purchase Bitcoin, certainly the way that I have purchased Bitcoin, uh, you know, most of the time. Um, And there are also other services, you know, that are communities online where you can meet up with people in person and purchase Bitcoin or um, you get some sent to you from a friend. But I think to get to, you know, to really dive into the question um, is. You're talking about cold storage solutions and hardware wallets, which are essentially one and the same, um, except for a cold storage solution could also be just a paper wallet. And so these are um, creating a wallet offline. Uh, you know, it ha- generates a public and private key pair. Mm-hmm. You take the public key and you send Bitcoin to it from somewhere else. Now mm-hmm. that Bitcoin lands in this address and you have the private key, which is essentially this piece of hardware, um, i.e. Trezor, Ledger, uh, Keep Key, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what these hardware devices are doing is actually holding your private keys. So when you want to send Bitcoin from that address, you load it up on your computer and you plug in the, hardware wallet that acts as the private key that signs the transaction and allows it to take place without that key or that hardware wallet. It doesn't happen. However, you could light that key on fire and your Bitcoin is still safe. Granted you wrote down the seed phrase or have a backup of the private key.
0: Wow. That's uh, that's really intensive,
1: right? So hence custodial solutions yeah. like Coinbase
0: make it much easier for,
1: for most. Yes. For me, I, I <laughs> for, would never, for almost anyone, yeah. I would never do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think you would, I think most people you would have to like, there would have to be one person that, you know, that mm-hmm. like had done that mm-hmm. for you to even think about doing it.
1: Well, maybe, I mean, it, the more you get into, you know, or head down the rabbit hole, as we say, um, in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. then the more you get curious about security, the -hmm. more you get curious about the whole point of Bitcoin in the first place. Right. And the more you become interested in cold storage solutions, um, like right now, you know, where you'd want to generally hold cold storage, there's a really intriguing thing happening in custodial solutions where many of them are paying, uh, a yield. Yeah. I'm part of that. Uh, annual yield on your holdings, yeah. on your crypto holdings. And this isn't just Bitcoin. It's in, on several cryptos, including stable coins. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to stable coins later, I guess. But essentially, cryptos backed by a basket or a uh, certain amount of US dollars or some other fiat currency in a bank account that's audited. In most cases. <laughs> audited part. Um, <laughs> in any case, uh, so, you know, it's intriguing because you're like, do I leave my crypto or my Bitcoin in this case in cold storage? Or do I move it over to one of these solutions and earn 6.5%, you mm-hmm. know, paid out in the native asset of the chain, which in this case is Bitcoin. Yeah. So, you know, that, that becomes really, really interesting. Um, most of these companies that are offering yield utilize a company like BitGo or uh, Bitcoin Swiss or something that is um, a kind of what we like you could kind of think of it as Fort Knox, like some sort of crypto solution that's air gapped and, you know, literally like in a cave, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where it's like, you know, these things are offline and highly secure. Right. Um, and you know, they have what's called a hot wallet. So that acts as, okay, someone wants to move Bitcoin, uh, out of, um, or utilize it in an exchange or something where the majority or bulk of crypto is held in cold storage, like in a, in a secured vault, uh, so to speak. Um, and you know, the hot wallet allows for certain transactions of a certain volume, but if you want to withdraw, you're really like utilizing the vault, which can take some time. Right. Right. And so those are really high, um, security options. Uh, of course you can do the same thing at your house, paper wallet or writing down the seed phrase and stashing it in various areas or something, you know, and granted you could put those things together in sequence, those words, you have access to your Bitcoin, no matter what, even if you lit your cold wallet solution on fire.
0: That's, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot to try and, um, I don't know, just thinking about that because like the way that we operate with money now is so like it's frictionless. Right. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. there's no problems. Yeah. Just, like I can transfer money from my savings account to my checking account mm-hmm. in 10 seconds. Totally. Um, through my wallet. So trying to think of having to store these codes in various places so that no one can access it. Yeah. And then having to do that mm-hmm. seems like um, a lot of trouble.
1: And I'll agree with you that the vast majority of people won't do it that way. Yeah. Um, But more and more they will. Right. Uh, So, as, as we move along and people get more into Bitcoin, there will be some amount that many people will be interested in holding in cold storage long-term Yeah. or utilizing a service like Casa, um, which is by several people, one of which is Jameson Lop. uh, check him out at Lop.net. That's L-O-P-P.net. Uh, incredibly intelligent, um, very interested in OPSEC and, um, you know, old school Bitcoiner, you know, early mm-hmm. and, um you know, I think has been a huge net positive to the space, and they have this multi-signature solution. So many people might do this for long-term, like family wealth storage, right. which is utilize a service like Casa, um, and they are one signature. Let's say you have three signatures in a, in a multi-sig, and they are one signature. Uh, you're one signature, and you know, uh, your you know significant other is another signature, Right. So if something happens to one of you, two signatures is all it takes to make a transaction happen. So you and your significant other could make the transaction happen. Or if one of you, you know, um, suddenly passed um, or wasn't, didn't have access, the significant other could work with the custodial, uh, or not the custodial, but the other multisig in this case to sign a transaction to move Bitcoin around. Otherwise it's long-term storage. So that's a really safe solution. But obviously, for now, the vast majority of people are going to use a custodial solution like Coinbase, like Voyager, um, any of these, you know, exchanges or apps. Um, although I don't really recommend you use, lose, or use, um, let's say, leave a lot of cryptocurrency on exchanges um, just because, you know, they can be exploited. Right.
0: Do you use like the, um, the earn part of the... Those wallets, I mean, where you just store them and then they earn you interest on them?
1: Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, especially with other cryptos, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, a few years back I had a proof of stake company, which is like, what, what is that? Um, but essentially where we created a corporation and we wanted to offer exposure to cryptocurrencies for average investment investors by just, um, you know, having... Being able to buy our our common stock, you know, but what our assets as a company was 100% crypto. And so um, these cryptos were um, essentially held in a node, a computer or a Mm -hmm. wallet connected to the network that because we were staking a certain amount of cryptos uh, allowed us to uh, further stabilize or support the network that they were on. So sometimes making decisions on that network with voting power and sometimes um, just helping to verify transactions and the legit- legitimacy of the network itself um, by utilizing a consensus mechanism called proof of stake. So um, we're kind of jumping now, but essentially um, Bitcoin operates on a consensus mechanism called proof of work, which utilizes what we call mining rigs. Yeah. Uh, so compute power. To uh, legitimize the transactions taking place in the network by proving uh, that they solved a challenging algorithmic puzzle um, for uh, to solve a block. So where you get block and blockchain.
0: Right. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Um,
1: yeah, I'm thinking like we could go down any yeah, of these different holes. Yeah, there's holes. so much on any
0: of these. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I'd like to talk about blockchain a little bit because I think blockchain is really interesting. And there's been a lot of talk about, I mean, I've heard, I don't know that much about blockchain. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I just know that it's like a ledger yeah. and they, there's like no way of really breaking it and making it falsified because it's backed up on so many different computers and they talk to each other, Mm -hmm. um, essentially. And if one gets tried, tries to get cheated, the other ones are like, well, that's not right. Mm-hmm. So they just go back to the other path.
1: You can have a consulting firm now. <laughs> you got this down. Um,
0: but yeah, that's, I I've, I've seen companies mm-hmm. are like moving towards using that, but I don't understand how, like for what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean you and many others, I, I, you know, saw someone yelling on the other, the other day, uh, on LinkedIn about, uh, you know, what happened to all this blockchain hype? I thought people were going to use it. No one's using it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the vast majority of the Fortune 500 companies are all utilizing blockchain by now. Are they really? Totally, okay. yeah. And so they all have blockchain departments. They're all utilizing blockchain, you know, and some are much further along than others, you know, but certainly enterprise use is mm-hmm. uh, is exploding. Yeah. And uh, so is... Um, uh, supply chain management. Supply chain management is the most obvious use case for blockchain outside of financial infrastructure uh, which is to say if you need uh, a product or you know moved along a supply chain and you need it checked in and maybe you need really important data about that um, that product right uh, what temperature it's at and where it is exactly when um, which is super valuable to any sort of supply chain management. Um, And blockchain allows that to take place in a very secure and very fact of the matter way. Um, So instead of utilizing like a central database, which uh, you could, you know, lose power at or um, could be altered by one party. Right. Uh, This allows for. Uh, a distributed network that maybe all the different organizations uh, that are utilizing that same supply chain or relying on it in some way um, have the same data at the same time and the same copy of everything that's ever happened. So if there is an issue like something being whacked out in temperature on inside the supply chain, which could lead to serious health complications Mm -hmm. for the consumers of that product Uh, well it's known right then and there and it's permanent and you can't change it and so a lot of people have a trustless network that they can rely on so supply chain management is big and that's just scratching the surface of supply chain management it's also just like uh, the ability to automate the entire thing Uh, you know blockchain aids in that as well very well
0: that makes a lot of sense it makes it like like anti-fraud Kind of like you couldn't like there's all sorts of stories about like um just like food producers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We were talking about that area and they're making something and it's messed up and they know it's wrong, but mm-hmm. they just say that it's not. And then it ends up hurting a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Something like blockchain wouldn't allow for right. that manipulation.
1: Certainly, Um, unless, you know, it's a private blockchain and it's uh you know, at least it would be immutable, uh, in some ways, you know, there are ways around that where they okay. could, they could still be fraudulent. Uh, but the more distributed the network is, it's becomes very unlikely that they would be able to do such a thing. But if a single company was running a blockchain, um, well, there's a thing called forks. Uh-huh. And so if they wanted to, uh, Rewrite the blockchain? They could certainly do so. That's the whole point of it being distributed, because they would have to collude all together, all parties on the network in order to change the network, right, or change the data on it or the history, let's say. Um, and so that's the beauty of having a distributed network with all the different parties on the supply chain, because if there's one bad actors uh, actor, the rest of them are going to be able to call them out. Right. Plus, if you have a public blockchain, you're able to actually see, Oh, there was an issue. Everybody knows it. You know, let's, let's, you know, there's no, uh, capability for fraud at that point. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: How does, how does one like, cause from what I've, from my understanding it's visible to the public, like the Bitcoin blockchain Mm -hmm. is just visible to anybody. Yeah. How would, how do you even visit
1: the blockchain? (laughs) Yeah. So public and permissionless blockchains, um, are, able, you're able to view them, right. By utilizing block explorers. Mm. Um, I mean, that's almost similar to like an explorer on your windows computer or something, right. or just like seeing all the different things on the computer. So you can, you can view a blockchain and, uh, every single transaction that's ever taken place, you can follow and route and know and determine, and, you know, discover things about all the way back to the very first block. So that history remains.
0: So, that, so essentially you could see like if say someone had like owned like a serious amount of Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you would be able to trace back and see that there's someone
1: that owns. Yeah, You can see how it got into that address. If it was mined, yes, all, all this is, is possible to, to view. And if any of that moves, the moment it moves, you can get triggers uh, notifying you of such a move, uh, which is, you know, you could find on Twitter if you just looked up whale alerts. Like there's so many accounts that, that scan for that sort of thing, um, that, you know, have these blockchain public addresses inputted into the, you know, into their software. Yeah. And if anything ever moves from them or it sends or receives, it gets a notification.
0: What would you, would you use that notification to know, like whether you wanted to buy or to sell or to, I
1: mean, Oh, sure. So, uh, <laughs> and, and many do, right. So, yeah. uh, early wallet from, you know, 2010 uh, moves, you know, 100 Bitcoin hasn't moved in, you know, more than 10 years. Like, geez, huh? Well, um, what's up with that? Where did that Bitcoin go? Mm -hmm. And so it would probably say to unknown wallet, (laughs) you know, but if it said to this wallet, and it has a little label there, Binance 11 or something yeah well that hundred bitcoin from really early just went to a known exchange you know what do you think that Bitcoin's going to do
0: it's going to get sold to other people
1: it's going to get sold so you know that might call uh cause a short-term dip with people you know worried what right. does this mean did satoshi just move his coins and and is he selling his Bitcoin oh, or something man. like that? Yeah, And so you can imagine that in the public eye, you know, uh, this sort of like miniature frenzy takes place. Uh, and what I just mentioned isn't, uh, is not common by any means, but it's, it's, it's happened. Yeah. A few times where an early wallet holding, you know, a larger amount of Bitcoin has moved a, a significant amount of Bitcoin to an exchange. It's happened before.
0: Yeah. And it happens. I mean, it happens in all other, areas mm-hmm. like in uh investors like totally there's giant tesla investors that mm-hmm. when they move they like obviously it's a little different because most of those people probably that have those giant bitcoin wallets are like individuals most likely not like big people like we don't know that's true yeah. but um but like these other ones are like known they're like this is um arc invest and they have this stake in but they're selling this much of their stake. Maybe it's just a rebalancing thing, but everyone freaks out Mm because, so it's like the same sort of thing. It happens in all areas. You made a
1: wonderful point. You know, the rebalancing thing, that's certainly something that can be taken place at all time. And it is, you know, I think the difference between the first scenario and then the arc invest scenario would be, you know, one's a really early wallet. So like people speculate on who that is Mm and why would they be selling that sort of thing? Um, you know, and so with someone like ARK Invest, their transactions are fairly new, you know, mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, changes things.
0: So the, so Satoshi is the, everyone speculates that he's the creator. Is that who they speculate is a creator? Cause no one knows for sure. Right.
1: Well, I mean, what we do know as a fact is Satoshi Nakamoto is the creator of Bitcoin, right? Whether, what we don't know is who, what how, you know, Satoshi, uh, is, and, you know, if they're a group of people, if they're male or female, if they are an entire government, like we have no idea. And so, um, you know, I've always speculated, um, that it was a single person, um, that, or maybe like three people that are, you know, specifically a few people, um, that had been working on similar sorts of things before Bitcoin was created. And it's funny, the timing of this podcast is so interesting because essentially this morning I learned about an anonymous account on Twitter that essentially was uh, all the posts are by a bot or what what seems to be just a bot posting, kind of scraping the internet. Um and then finding a certain word, in this case, gold, and then tweeting about it. Um, And it's speculated as of this morning, or at least I learned of it this morning, um, that uh, this is an anonymous account of Satoshi Nakamoto. And the reason why this is, is because in January of 2009, the first tweet about Bitcoin was from Hal Finney, who was very likely part of Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, this if it was a collective, because he was the first person ever to receive Bitcoin, right? And in January, uh, I think it was like January 10th or something of of 2009, he tweeted, running Bitcoin. And so, you know, he had a note up, he had received Bitcoin, um, he was, you know, running Bitcoin, he was part of the system. And the second tweet about Bitcoin, which, I don't know how I didn't know this before and how it's not talked about widely was from this account, the bot account. Yeah. Or
0: central bot account.
1: Totally. Which says, you know, this, this account is like tweeting about gold, you right. know, and this account says, uh, you know, something along the lines of, of Bitcoin, a completely decentralized, you know, uh distributed system, right. With no third party, you know, uh, and then, You know, may or may not have mentioned double spend in in that particular tweet, but uh, very fascinating to see a tweet like that second tweet about Bitcoin on Twitter as far as I can find or know Mm -hmm. um, ever. And that that just happened this morning. So this is really interesting timing.
0: That is wild. Yeah. And it just continues to tweet about
1: gold? Uh, No, I don't think it's tweeted in some time, but it's interesting to see this just like random you know account that's anonymous that was just like basically a, ran by a bot and 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 then but it was the second tweet about bitcoin ever it's like how did that
0: happen that's really strange yeah and so
1: and for so, any for any treasure hunters out there one of the tweets after that was something about if you know if you know where oranges are in the sky in winter garden florida a treasure is to be found and so that, that has a lot of people, I think, flying oh to gosh. Florida
0: right now. Yeah. <laughs> when was that? Was that on the same account?
1: Yeah, same account, just a little while later. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, it's fascinating.
0: And that was like the second, the like a long time ago, though, huh? That um, tweet?
1: That tweet's a long time ago, yeah. Oh, geez. But, you know, that doesn't mean it was found or anything.
0: Right. So this Satoshi Nakamoto, right? That's his name, right? Or its name? Um, yeah. they created like this decentralized currency and no one knows who they are. Mm-hmm. He, she, it, mm-hmm. but it's like, it was like the first of its kind. Like the it's, there's only a set number of Bitcoins. That's true. In existence. And there's yeah. still some that have been, that haven't been mined yet. Right. That's correct. There's like 18 million currently in
1: total in total there's 21 million uh it's actually a fraction uh, you know off of that but in any case um for simplicity 21 million bitcoin in the code and uh are mined. and the the final you know every four years approximately um the having takes place which is the block reward so in a blockchain each block so roughly every 10 minutes in bitcoin's blockchain once the Puzzle is solved by the miners. All the transactions in that block are legitimized, and the block attaches. It's a new block attaches itself. Right, the miner attaches a new block to the chain. In that block is what's called a Coinbase reward, or a miner's reward. Right, and so that's where Coinbase, the company, gets yeah, its name that's from. Right. Uh, so in the Coinbase transaction of the next block, the um, a, a certain amount of Bitcoin, so the block reward within this having, is uh, sent to the miner, right? And that's why they're mining in the first place and exerting all of this compute power right. and electricity cost to stand up the network and to verify the transactions in the blocks uh, in order for this incentive, which is the Coinbase transaction of any block, which is a block reward. And so they get paid in Bitcoin. Um, I think there's actually, you can't actually spend that Bitcoin for a hundred blocks. Uh, but in any case, they get paid for
0: legitimacy reasons,
1: you know? Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's just so you can't automatically do things to help with the, the fact that, uh, we need a a few confirmations Yeah, because what could happen in any case and does uh, actually pretty often is a split or a soft fork, um, and so the the chain will fork if two different nodes are solved right around the same time, and they are different transactions because the miners are compiling these transactions according to the miner, uh, according to the transaction fees. Yeah. So lucrative making for lucrative blocks, which is another incentive program. Um, you know, if two blocks are essentially done at around the same, right at the same time, um, the 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 blockchain can actually split and then miners will start mining on the chain that they think is correct right oh. and the chain that is correct is the longest chain right and yeah. so eventually the 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 majority of the miners the chain that they're mining is the correct chain it right? just
0: they just they make it so
1: and it's automatically happens it's not like a doesn't necessarily take any sort of human interaction to make a chain do this. And so this is just a natural progression. So if a chain splits, it's not the intention of miners. They don't want the chain to split, but if it happens, well, some of the transactions that took place in this shorter chain, uh, are essentially null. And so if, those chains are usually figured out in one to two blocks, right? And so what we'd like to do when we receive a Bitcoin transaction is to say, wait three blocks um, for three confirmations, right? Which is essentially about 30 minutes on the Mm -hmm. Bitcoin blockchain. Once that takes place, you can be sure that you can at least know that it takes a significant amount of effort to reverse those transactions, so significant that you can essentially say it's impossible, and so that's why you wait for some confirmations uh, on chain, which mm-hmm. we can dive into later and how mm-hmm. it's used. This money, if you need to wait thirty minutes and all that sort of stuff, there's there is uh, solutions to that.
0: Right. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. That makes it kind of difficult to like just go buy something. Uh-huh. You'd have to wait around. Um. Oh, man, I just don't. Yeah. It's so, I don't, I'm not a coder. I don't understand any of that. Obviously mm-hmm. i I tried to like, and I'd love to learn how to code, but it just takes so much time Totally. to get into that. Yeah. Sort of stuff. And,
1: and then, you know, exponentially more time to master. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah it's, yeah. I think it's such a cool, like I had, took like a coding class in high school. So I know like the very, very basics of like HTML, mm-hmm. um, just to make like a website Mhm and it was like super fun but then i like started diving down like rabbit holes and i was like this gets so complex so quickly that i have no idea totally i don't understand like it just doesn't make sense to me how people can get to a point where they create something that's so complex that like essentially it's so it's built so that no one can break it Mm -hmm. even like the creators totally and i don't that just makes no sense to me.
1: <laughs> well, it was really the only way to pull this thing off.
0: Right, because it's like without like a governing body, mm-hmm. it has to be like untouchable. Mm-hmm. So okay. that it's it's really just like all of the people make up what the value is rather than a centralized power.
1: You You nailed it. That's the whole reason it's valuable is Bitcoin is a network with a monetary unit um, that in the entire network is owned by its participants in this case. So, you know, everyone that uses Bitcoin is the owners of the network. And so when all you have is owners, you know, you can't just change things and make them your way. You have a lot of partners right. to, to, to discuss it with, you know, and everybody has to agree, you know, or the majority has to agree to, to make it run properly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, and there's actually uh, and everyone's incentive incentivized to uh, to make it run properly. you know, so it's completely like uh, incentivized structure. It's insanely brilliant, totally distributed, completely decentralized, owned by everyone and no one at the same time. And you know, even Satoshi being an anonymous character this allows for us to not have anyone to take down or pinpoint or talk to or figure out. And instead you just have all these different entities that are distributed around the world and under, um, you know, all sorts of other governments, right. Mm-hmm. And different governments have different ideas on how and what this thing is. But um, we can't, go in there and, you know, change everyone's mind to like, take it over. So it's completely an impenetrable network. You can't shut it down. There's nothing to shut down. You could shut down every node one at a time. You'd literally have to shut down every node in the world in this distributed system in order to get it to stop. And anyone can run a node. So, you it would know, be impossible. Yeah. It's like, not possible. It
0: just continue creating nodes.
1: Right. And even like the only way to really destroy this thing, or at least it's use, you know, Um, Besides like some sort of complete monetary failure uh, or massive change in Bitcoin itself, which is extraordinarily unlikely, um, would be to get rid of the internet. Yeah. And even if you got rid of the internet, you could still use Bitcoin in some way. So the transactions just wouldn't be, you know, on chain yet. You would uh, just have to <laughs> <so like, laughs> you still have to have computing power. Essentially, if the internet went down for a really long time, Bitcoin would still be there when the internet came back up. Right, and that's important.
0: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, how would Bitcoin change? You you said that, like it's very unlikely. But mm. what do you mean by like?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, some you know we can speculate here. If Satoshi came, Satoshi Nakamoto became known. Um, or Satoshi's wallet sent their, you know, like started moving their coins around. If Satoshi started moving coins from the original, you know, Satoshi's wallet or Satoshi's wallets and like cashing those out or something like that and doxing themselves or you know, uh, it would be pretty detrimental to Bitcoin. Um, However, it wouldn't necessarily destroy it or anything like that. It would still be around. So but but yeah. I think that lots of the participants in the network would maybe not feel as inclined to continue on. Um but in any case, that's extraordinarily unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, we've never seen a single coin move from uh any of those wallets or that wallet. Um and there's
0: a single wallet that everyone b- speculates is his? Well or that we know is for sure. Oh, right? really? The original.
1: How many right? are there in there? <laughs> I forgot. It's like a million. A million coins? Yeah. More than a million, I think. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, which is fascinating because we were talking about 21 million earlier, right? Mm-hmm. The total amount of Bitcoin to ever be mined. And yeah, so he so owns. This is pretty fascinating. So, first off, we'll never see 21 million Bitcoin. No, it, right? Because many of them have been lost, right? So, um. The ways that you lose coins is like you were just talking about earlier when someone didn't back up their private key and now they have like whatever amount of Bitcoin and they can't access it. Well, Bitcoin uh, will be continuously coming out on each new block. Right. And I was talking about having events. So those happen about every four years. So every four years, the amount of reward that the miners receive in Bitcoin gets cut in half. Right. So we have a known stock to flow ratio for chain for the chain, for Bitcoin. And we know that around the year 2140, the final Bitcoin will be mined.
0: Because after that, it just won't be.
1: After that, the chain runs on a, the incentivized structure built into it with transaction fees. Before that, it oh. runs on transactions fees plus the block reward. And so the block reward, you know, cuts oh in God. half over and over and over again. Until you're literally left with the little minuscule amount of Bitcoin per block.
0: Right. So it's just not worth it at that point.
1: Well, sure it is because you're not taking into consideration the value of Bitcoin at the time.
0: Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. So, oh my gosh. So this was
1: all programmed in. Yes. And so that How was. How can someone have that foresight? That was the analogy I was trying to create earlier, where Bitcoin is this thing that rolls along and then finally blossoms and everybody's just using Satoshis. And we don't like, you know, we're not talking about Bitcoin in the same way. The, the main kind of verbiage is Satoshi's, right? And so it builds up and keeps creating and consuming fiat money and developing into the most uh, valuable asset ever known to man and essentially un- unrolls and all these little parts, which is like, you know, 21 quadrillion or whatever. Yeah. Uh and allows people to use those parts the satoshis or SATs. that's
0: so hard for me to even that's the, the the group or set of people or person who created that had more foresight than anyone
1: Right. Which is, I think it's actually from experience, right? There was all these like e-cash, digital uh, gold and these things that were tr- people tried, right? So Nick Zabo, someone to look up, Hal Finney. Um, and, you know, there's actually several others. Um, and they had built these ways to kind of do something like Bitcoin, but no one could get around the double spend issue until blockchain was created. So blockchain was a subsequent technology to allow Bitcoin to exist. So Satoshi had to create blockchain to create Bitcoin, you know? Right. So, you know, the people that are screaming Bitcoin are blockchain, not Bitcoin. It's like, it's pretty silly because, you know, Bitcoin is like the proven blockchain use case so far, you know what I mean? So...
0: With all the other coins, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Ethereum, there's Dogecoin, there's all these, I mean, Dogecoin's like a meme coin at Mm -hmm. this point. I don't, I don't even, there's so many coins. Does that just keep going? Do we keep getting new coins? How does like, how do we, is everyone going to have to be able to spend and receive all the coins? Or are you just gonna have a wallet full of like tons of different coins? Mm-hmm. Like how like I guess that's kind of like a penny or a quarter, uh, like if you were trying to compare it to like a fiat thing, but um why like where does it end? Do mm-hmm. we just end up are there a group that win out um and like prove their value or does it just keep going this way?
1: Yeah. The short answer is we don't know. And right. the, um, you know, the other answer is, and well, first off, I compared these different coins in your wallet to kind of different uh, monies around our currencies around the world, mm-hmm. as opposed to like a penny and a quarter. Um, so that is to say that, you know, they have use cases inside of uh, their own environment so you might have a coin that works in a certain video game when you remove it out of that video game you could convert it to some other coin that works into inside of a different environment and these things can maintain exchange rates um, through automated money markets and all these other mechanisms um there's things called atomic swaps um in any case, to not make it too difficult is just that there can be coins for all sorts of different reasons or tokens for all sorts of different reasons, and you can exchange in and out of these things sometimes like very, very easily. And I think going forward in the future, that's kind of what it's like. You might show up to purchase uh, coffee at a local shop and you might spend Devon coin, and but the merchant doesn't know that you spent Devon coin, or even if they did know, they don't care because they're receiving the equivalent value uh, of the coin that they accept, right? And so this is kind of the liquid liquid way that this thing could work, right? Um, So I think that's kind of the end goal. So anyone can have a token or currency or coin um, or NFT, a non-fungible token, uh, to exchange value with anyone at any time. In the future. So yes, wallets will have many different coins in them. And then really to not make it too expensive for the listeners, I would say that some coins will certainly win out over others. And, yeah. and as a matter of fact, over the years we've certainly seen, I'd probably say 95 plus percent of all cryptocurrencies kind of go off into obscurity which you you'll never hear about again.
0: That's really interesting. It would make it I mean it would make it so easy to go anywhere. Like you would never have to worry about exchanges. Yeah, or, ex-
1: uh, say if you want to short some stuff, short banks, short exchanges, yeah. you know these things are not going to be around forever.
0: Right. Oh, well, that kind of leads into um did you get in on the GME and all of the um Wall Street bets sort of stuff? Were you um, paying attention to that, a part of it?
1: Certainly. I mean, I'm a market participant. So, yeah. uh, you know, as I see, um, you know, volatility, it attracts me. And if if I see unusual behavior, that attracts me as well. Um, with GME, I simply watched. Yeah. You know, I sat on my hands and said, let me watch how this plays out. And when I understood what was going to happen. Um, or at least in my opinion, I participated in AMC, um, and started participating in some of the other ones, bad, um, bad and beyond <laughs> Nokia, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, and you know, I find it fascinating. I also, you know, in many cases, and again, this is all my opinion. I, I see through the nonsense as well. So, Many of these uh, participants that are part of you know Wall Street bets are going to end up wrecked, as <laughs> I would say, yeah. and have already many have, um, and many are going to make out like bandits. So um, it depends on what side of the market, how your timing is. You know, everybody should really pay attention. I mean, if your first introduction to trading is getting in on one of these plays, you are asking for trouble. Oh yeah, um, and so. If you uh, know what you're doing, some of these plays are, you know, very lucrative. Um, and so you know, I'll just leave it at that, but yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch. I think overall, their intention is super interesting. Hey, this this stock is is ridiculously shorted. It's shorted so much that they actually have a larger short position than equity of the company even exists.
0: How is that even possible?
1: Well, we've made it possible. How is it legal is the question. And so, you know, I love the intention of wall street bets in this case to, to do this. Um, but at the same time, when you are going against a hedge fund with massive shorts out to prove a point, know that all the many other, uh, market participants are going to come in on the other side of that trade. They're going to make money on the way up when they notice what you're doing. And then they're going to get, they're going to pile in new shorts on the very top and they're going to make the money on the way down too. And so really you think you're hurting venture capital funds? You're not, you're making them additional money.
0: They're just, they know how to read the market. Totally. And And they know, Oh,
1: you just pump this thing, whatever hundreds of a percent, like, obviously we're going to short this thing with margin. Right. You know? And so,
0: and for a company that obviously doesn't have that value, right? Like all of those companies are on their way out.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, and also what's ridiculous is, you know, things like Robin hood stopping people from trading, you know, I mean, it makes sense to, do you think that it
0: was actually a liquidity problem?
1: I mean, so if you understand Robin hood's business model, um, which I won't say I'm an expert in or anything, but I will say that um, they utilize some of these funds um, to uh, allow them to function in the market. And so uh, what this does is they can do things like front running your trades. And so if a large percent of people start putting a certain trade on, let's say, um, you know, Long, gme in this example, well, um these other organizations that work with Robinhood can literally high frequency trade with you or against you at any moment. And they get seniority or they get uh favored um because they allow for this company to operate its business model. So we won't dive like extremely deep That's into very that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's radically interesting. It's also Terrible. Like I yeah. don't like Robin Hood's business model. I also don't like the, uh, you know, way that they make money against the average retail investor. Um, it, it's pretty, it's pretty sad. Um, it does. It is cool that they made investing in equities specifically um, so easy for people.
0: I mean, I use it.
1: It's a great launch pad to like understand what's going on here. Right. However, um most users just need to do more homework, right yeah and kind of like get into other you know brokerages, I think and what brokerages well, I, I mean, mean obviously, yeah, we can talk about all sorts of stuff like with you know just financial automation yeah. and you know things that you should do kind of to protect your wealth and build wealth and generate wealth in the first place. I think one of the most important things you know this isn't exactly the answer to the question, but one of the most important things I've learned is own hard assets and borrow against them. That is the way to generate wealth. Uh, and obviously there's all of these like side Lego parts that mm-hmm. connect to that, that allow you to generate wealth uh, as well and have additional streams of income. Uh, but you know, ha- owning hard assets and borrowing against them is a tried and true method.
0: So you believe in debt?
1: I believe in cheap money you know, and utilizing debt intelligently. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I don't believe in blindly carrying debt month to month mm-hmm. and being, uh, you know, what you'd call a debt slave. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't believe in that. Um, but, you know, there's many cases where we've seen debt be used in intelligent ways to uh, generate additional wealth, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, really simple example. You utilize, you know, some part of a bank loan to purchase a home. Mm-hmm. You fix the house up, you flip the house, pay the debt off, you keep the profit. I mean, yeah. y- you just profited by right. utilizing debt. So, I mean, that's just a really, really basic example.
0: Yeah, I've seen a, an example where they, You, I mean, you may have kind of just said that, but it's like a method where you can continue gaining more assets mm-hmm. through that. So you buy one, you use part of the loan to buy the house, and then you use the other part to fix it up. Mm -hmm. You refinance it. You take that and buy another property, do Mm -hmm. the same thing.
1: There you go. You're rolling. Yeah, it's like the burn method or whatever. So you know we can discuss some of the ways you can do that in crypto, but to answer your question about brokerages, I mean, you know, Schwab has a great brokerage set up, and you can automate many different things with, with those types of accounts. Uh, you know, uh, if you're, if you want to have more of a trading interface, you know, go with something like TD Ameritrade, I think one in the same organization at this point. Um, and then, you know, but it, it doesn't really like stop there for sure. Right. Uh, E-Trade, um, you know, all these sorts of things, offer brokerages that are like traditional brokerages, um, which will allow you to kind of get your start, you know. So I think go from Robinhood to one of those brokerages, you know, or some other brokerage that you enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but let Robinhood be a launch pad in my opinion and and move on.
0: I think that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I I mean I saw I just I just graduated college and I played soccer and um I invested in Tesla, um, early last year. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of the kids on the team were like really interested in the whole investing side and were asking me questions. And I was like, you know what, honestly, I just did research on one company Mm -hmm. and just put all my chips in. (laughs) Like, that's all I did. Um, like I'm not, I'm not an investing expert. Like I just, I just saw kind of what was happening. Yeah with Tesla and really believed in the company. Mm-hmm. And so I went with that. Um, but like I had a friend reach out to me when all the GME stuff was going on and he was like, have you seen what's going on with Robinhood? Like, mm-hmm. are you removing, are you selling all your stuff? And I'm like, I'm definitely not selling my Tesla, but, uh-huh. um, I wasn't oh. too worried about Robinhood, like, and their ability to stay a company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have been looking into like, how like what is like are they like the best place for me to store and have my stuff and do investing through mm-hmm. um because i like i'm just not sure honestly
1: yeah they're certainly not in my opinion and yeah. they're you know um even more so not in my opinion for cryptocurrencies
0: i didn't know you could buy cryptocurrency through there
1: well you know you can buy IOUs for cryptocurrencies in there. Right. Um, here's the here's the thing is like, you know, you buy currently as it stands, um, you know, unless there was an update today, uh, is, you know, you can't buy Bitcoin and then just move that Bitcoin out, you know, right? Uh, so are you buying Bitcoin, right? You, you must sell it in order to like remove the money and go to some other exchange that will actually sell you mm, physical I Bitcoin, uh, physical in quotes, of course. Um, but you know bitcoin that you can, can um be a custodian of yourself.
0: So you're just essentially investing in the ability to make the gains on the bitcoin as a That's du- exactly
1: it. monetary yeah.
0: value or the losses. Yeah. Sure. Um that's interesting. So mm-hmm. like with other wallets, like I had a Gemini wallet, I moved all of my stuff to BlockFi um to do the interest thing cuz mm-hmm. they didn't have it on Gemini or whatever. Um mm-hmm. But like with those, are you able to like take the actual Bitcoins and like take them and have them yourself? Or like you said, they're the custodians, but are you able to like remove them or no?
1: With BlockFi. Is that what you're saying?
0: Well, with like. With Gemini
1: too. Gemini
0: or BlockFi. Certainly, yeah.
1: And Gemini now has a. Uh, earn program as yeah, well I just, probably probably that. just noticed that yeah, yeah, it
0: popped up right yeah. after Like I put it into yeah. the other one And I was like, alright, well <laughs> Alright, <whatever."> fine
1: <laughs> Also, you said Bitcoins And I'll never forgive you i mm. <laughs> just kidding Damn it <laughs> <laughs> After that long-winded discussion Shit <laughs> <laughs> Um, so no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, you can you can certainly remove your Bitcoin from Gemini, Coinbase, Voyager, BlockFi, any of these. Which is why Robinhood is just so ridiculous, you know, because you can't. Uh, and even in, when Square first launched uh, their Bitcoin program, you you couldn't remove it either. Uh, but then you know you can now actually. And my so. You know, I'm a huge Jack Dorsey fan. Mm-hmm. I love that Square has made that available for people. Oh. You know, um, their fees are ridiculous. So just know that they make a lot of money off fees when mm-hmm. you're purchasing and selling Bitcoin on there. You just be blown away by how much you're paying. Um, and But then like you can talk about, you know, at least it's not PayPal. PayPal, just like Robinhood, doesn't allow you to, send your Bitcoin out of your PayPal wallet. Mm. So yeah, they, they allow you to, you know, apparently, uh, hold Bitcoin in their wallet, um, or in PayPal. What's interesting there is that they have all of these merchants around the world that you can spend your Bitcoin with, right? right? So talk about, you know, what can you buy with Bitcoin? Well, it's like literally anything with that Visa card option I was telling you about, or with your PayPal account, you know? So it's, um, it's becoming easier and easier in that regard.
0: Yeah. And I, mean, I, I just like, honestly, I I think I listened to, um, a Peter Schiff book Mm -hmm. about, um, just markets and like, cause I was looking into all this. I was really interested in the 2008 crash and, um, I just, I think that the government is really poor at, doing a lot of what they do totally um so i was interested in listening to his um stuff on that and i don't believe that he's a proponent for um cryptocurrencies at all you'd um, be right yeah mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure he is like even in his book he was like i don't advise this right but i like i just was like it i mean it makes sense mm-hmm. like bitcoin uh cryptocurrencies kind of just make sense making a universal thing that's like untouchable there's no central power. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the main thing that he was arguing in his book was that the government was terrible at like taking care of money. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you just make it so that everybody like has to do it together? Yeah. I don't, I didn't understand why he didn't like,
1: I'm glad you're confused as well. Yeah. Peter Schiff is the most hardcore Bitcoiner that exists. He just doesn't realize it yet. Right. <laughs> and it's so absurd and it is Hilarious to watch his son, his own son, like dunk on him on Twitter, <laughs> you know, like talking about dad. <laughs> like,
0: oh my God,
1: you just said this about Bitcoin and Bitcoin just did this. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, and it, it's super funny to watch. It's wild to see Peter Schiff tweet more about Bitcoin than he does about gold, you know? Right. Uh, and it's just like everything that you appreciate gold for is built inside of Bitcoin right And so like let's let's go
0: except for it's way easier
1: it's it's gold for the age of the internet yeah and we chose gold like gold's been around you know forever and we've essentially known gold for 5,000 years for maybe 2,500 years we've used it uh, as a store of value. Um, And it's been the hardest money and the longest lasting money that we've ever known as human beings. And, you know, societies that have crumbled were societies, you know, I'd say great societies that eventually crumbled happened because they left a gold standard at some point. And as soon as that took place, society eventually unravels. We did that here in America in the 1970s under Nixon. And so there is an argument to say that we are unraveling. We're,
0: we're approaching it. Right. There's multiple arguments totally. for the unraveling. And of our printing, you
1: know, 33% of all the uh, US dollars oh, in the last like year and a half. I
0: was just about to come up to talk to you about yeah, that. I mean, and after this next one, it's going to be 40%.
1: <laughs> it's insane. And, it, and so for you to say that, um, you know, inflation doesn't occur after an action like that, uh, <laughs> Is just flat out wrong. Yeah. And, you know, it's certainly the way that societies can collapse. And so, you know, you want to move into a deflationary asset. So it's like Bitcoin came around at a time where it was the most relevant uh, and and we needed it the most. And it's really like a savior for monetary systems.
0: That makes you think about the, like, uh, the creators of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I like how you're sold as multiple people.
0: Yeah, I don't. I just don't know. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I, I no. Do, I love it because I, <laughs> people
1: take it in different ways. Yeah. I love it. It um, had to have been multiple people. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's what I'm <laughs> no.
0: thinking. It's so complex, but I guess if you, because I was thinking they have such great foresight, uh-huh. but I guess if they just looked back in the past and thought about it as a gold asset, like you just described, mm. but for the internet, mm. they could foresee pretty much the same situation as gold like mining gold nowadays is Mm. like it's you can still make money on it but it's like i feel like a lot of people are going to end up losing money if you go out trying to find gold right and um like the the division of it and how it got turned into different parts like you were talking about satoshis. Mm -hmm. um like the gold bar was more expensive you could trade it in for other things to Mm -hmm. um whatever. But I guess like if you modeled the Bitcoin Mm -hmm. after gold, essentially you would come up with what we have now for Bitcoin. Totally. Which is really interesting to like, maybe they understood that like leaving the gold standard creates that like lapse in like judgment Mm -hmm. for the people in charge of running the money. Mm -hmm. um, Because once you leave the gold standard, you think that you can just print as much money as you can. Right. And you um, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was like, well, there's a problem here yeah, or them. Um, and they just were like, this'll, this'll fix it.
1: Yeah. Not only do you think you can print as much money as you can, you have to, in order to keep it going, you have to keep printing money in order to keep it going. So inflation has to occur in that yeah. type of society.
0: yeah uh, like 2% or something like that. Or in, it's been 2% for us on average for a yeah, while. But what's that
1: average now? Yeah.
0: I know. Now it's like.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, people always say, well, what backs Bitcoin? And the, well, the short answer to that is math. And, um, you know, but my response is typically, well, what backs gold? And the best answer to that is 5,000 years is what backs gold. Right. Which is a phenomenal answer, except for what, you know, really is the answer. <laughs> the correct answer is the stock to flow ratio of gold. That's actually what makes it valuable. The fact that we know that there is this hard asset that we pull from the earth or in maybe some amount of years, meteors yeah um, is known currently at a certain rate. So we know exactly. The stock to flow ratio of gold. We know that it's going to come on to our into society at a certain rate, right? Which allows us to know that and hold on to it and have confidence that it's going to appreciate because um, it's it's never going to flow into society at such a fast pace that it causes the, an inflation right. of the uh, of the asset. And so that's really what backs gold as the stock to flow model stock flow ratio.
0: So you want a low stock to flow.
1: That's correct. Okay. And known stock to flow is important.
0: So what happens, I mean, right. So what you're saying is we don't know the stock to flow for like the U S dollar because they're just willy nilly kind of,
1: well, certainly, I mean, we, we, we have known it before and it changes. Yeah. And so that makes it, you know, not a desirable asset to hold long-term. Um, Therefore, you know, Bitcoin has a known stock to flow ratio that it's actually harder than golds. It's it's lower than golds.
0: And it pr- approaches zero.
1: Exactly. And then becomes infinitely lower, right. <laughs> you know. And so, uh, you know, we know that. And so it's a deflationary asset. And so it is a great long term hold, in my opinion. Right. Um, it's, you know, already proven itself in 12 short years that it's the most, you know, valuable asset and quickest to catch on that we've ever seen. Um, You know, so it just doesn't compare to tulip mania and things like that. Those arguments are so tired and outdated, you know, Uh, really we should be talking about like quantum computing and encryption and, and that sort of thing over, over like tired arguments like tulip mania and things.
0: Right. So, with quantum computing, you mm-hmm. brought up quantum computing and that just because the computing power of a quantum computer is far greater than what we have now. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a point at which a quantum computer could end up breaking like the, the Bitcoin network? Network.
1: The answer is yes. Um, but the reason why it is very unlikely to happen is that the same technology can be applied to the Bitcoin network, right? So Bitcoin Mm. can be a quantum chain. Jesus. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, there's already many cryptos that are like coming out as quantum resistant and and all these things or, you know, post-quantum chain, you know, that sort of thing. Um, And essentially, they're just using more challenging encryption methods, which is something that the Bitcoin blockchain will be updated with, right? Because right. this is open software and there are a bunch of developers that contribute to Bitcoin's network. And as quantum computer quantum computing comes uh, to be more prevalent, as will the implications of um, utilizing quantum computing in cryptocurrencies, especially in Bitcoin, And uh, in every other facet of your life that involves technology.
0: So it's, well, so the, the source code is open for Bitcoin? Yeah. And it's still, I mean, I guess, because it's it's because of the blockchain.
1: You can make your own Bitcoin right now, right? Right. It, It just that. That's what no all these other coins are, right? No like one's going to say, Devin made Bitcoin, so I'm going to adopt it, you know? Right. Um, and so...
0: Some people can do that, probably. Certainly. Like Elon could probably do that.
1: Um, sure, he, he could have an Elon coin, you know? He already does. It's called Doge. Right. I'm yeah. <laughs> just kidding. He's but, really backed that one. It's interesting. <laughs> he's really backed that Doge has been around for a long time. I know. Do you think
0: he's just... I saw this speculated and I thought it was a really interesting idea. Do you think he's just testing his market, like... Abilities, like his ability to change markets.
1: Honestly, I think he's having fun. Like that's all that guy does is just uh, not take himself too seriously. Mm -hmm. And Doge is an old school favorite, you know, from a lot of crypto heads. And, uh, you know, I've certainly owned Doge for years. (laughs) Really? And uh, it's it's always been funny. And, you know, sometimes we'll joke about Doge, like when the... Um, you know, big block sort of, well, this is a whole nother thing, but essentially, you know, the reason we have like Bitcoin cash and Bitcoin SV and all of these other things, uh, are just from disagreements, uh, in the community about what Bitcoin is supposed to be. But of course, Bitcoin moves on. Well, so they on. would just make their own. Yeah. Well, they forked the chain and then they're like, this is the real Bitcoin. And of course it is not. And then it eventually fails. Um, And as we have seen now that they were both Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV in the top 10 by market cap for some time, they're both on their way. Well, Only Bitcoin Cash, I think today was number 10. It's funny that like things change so rapidly in this space. By the time someone's listening, maybe it's not even in the top 10 anymore, which is a good thing for Bitcoin, which is also why a large exchange called OKCoin just announced like this week uh, that they were removing Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV from their exchange uh, as a service to Bitcoiners. Right. And as a service to newcomers and the and the community at large and to the world. Right. Uh, because, you know, these chains are false. Um, you know, um, they are. I mean, to say that they are false is a little harsh because they do work in their own right. Right. But they're not Bitcoin. And that's the, the distinction that needs to be made.
0: Well, that breaks the whole idea of the blockchain, doesn't it? Because you're supposed Ooh. to validate one and... The other ones unval disvalidated or unvalidated. Right?
1: No, I mean they are their own chain, and they have miners that contribute to those networks. And they some people and some miners even believe that that's the correct way to go about it. But oh, the disagreement is with the overall market, and you can see that in the market cap, the difference between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin and Bitcoin SV. Right. Um, these are these are really different. Uh, uh, market cap sizes, they're really different communities. And, uh, you know, there is only one Bitcoin and that is BTC yeah. or XBT. Those, so- the, and not to be too confusing, BTC and XBT are the same thing. They're called two different things uh, according to whatever exchange wants to lit- list them as. And that's because the letter X in front of a ticker uh, signifies a currency. And so X just means Bitcoin. And, and you can see some... Even an American exchange like Kraken would call it XBT, but most called BTC. Same thing. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when you, if you create your own coin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that does that have to be mined as well? So all are all coins
1: able to be mined? Right. So no. No. So well, when you say mined, that typically means that you're talking about a proof of work chain, uh, which is a consensus mechanism developed, you know. Uh, with, uh, Bitcoin. I mean, it was actually around before Bitcoin proof of work was, uh, and Satoshi Nakamoto used proof of work, uh, to make Bitcoin a reality, um, along with some other components. Um, and since then there is another mechanism called proof of stake. There's actually numerous mechanisms, dozens and dozens, I'm sure. Um, and, but the most two common, Proof of stake are the most two common consensus mechanisms are proof of work and proof of stake. So you can mine, and I put quotes around that, because uh, by utilizing proof of stake, which is to say that you have staked some coins or equity in the chain, right? By holding the coins and staking them into a specific wallet and using that wallet to make decisions or back up the network. You are staking those coins and typically on most chains that use that mechanism um, you're actually paid out an incentive for doing so. So it's like proof of work, except for you don't have to expend the same amount of energy.
0: Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's still like, it's like the more I learn about it, the more confused, <laughs> yes. you know, the more, yeah. cause it's just like,
1: I know it could have gone uh, many ways I'm sure in the conversation, you know, uh, and I'll just dive down certain paths and like yeah. pull my head up, you know, for air every once in a while oh, and not realize, you know, that that maybe we went too far too fast or something. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's a there's a whole lot of information. It can easily make your head spin. The best way to do it is just take it one little nibble at a time yeah. and start with someone really easy that, that speaks to you. Uh, and I would fully recommend someone like Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, which hopefully you can put in the show notes. Okay.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was, yeah. I mean, there's still obviously so much more that we could talk about. Yeah. But um it's it's been a long time. Um I don't even how long have we been going? Hour and 30 minutes now. Um But right before we go, um I would like to ask you what you think I City of Miami mm-hmm. just adopted like mm-hmm. Bitcoin into you can get paid out in Bitcoin mm-hmm. if you'd like. You can pay your taxes in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. I guess, um, is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, how long do you think it is before more cities and then the country starts adopting something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Francis Suarez is the mayor of the city of Miami, and I would just love to give him like uh, the most fierce flying high five because he's been <laughs> such a proponent for Bitcoin, and is like, I he totally gets it. And I absolutely love it. And one of, uh, you know, his goals with Miami is to create a, you know, or further uh, its stance as a tech hub, right? Uh, Miami. And so, you know, one of the the ways he's done that is by really um, making it interesting to be there as a fintech company. And another way he's done that is just be to be a hardcore Bitcoiner, which I love, you know, and uh, I hope, you know, uh, some many other mayors and, um, you know, other government officials around the country and the globe for that matter, um, you know, follow his lead and uh, pay attention to that and help, you know, build up their uh, city by moving some reserves into Bitcoin, you know, as a uh, fight against deflation. Right. Um, So if you want to keep yourself uh, more safe, you know, what Mayor Suarez and what uh, many others would suggest is to, um, you know, move some of your reserves into Bitcoin, whether you're a person or a business. And uh, that's just because this is, uh, you know, kind of a safe haven asset and has been for a while if you have a long term horizon.
0: We've actually seen that with Tesla. Totally. I mean, they just, they, inv- they I don't know how much they bought, or they did 1.5 billion mm-hmm. into Bitcoin. Correct. And they, that was at 33,000 a coin. And now. Roughly, they've yeah. They've made a billion dollars. <laughs> that, that has gone up. The value of their Bitcoin investment is roughly a billion dollars more than it was when they sure. bought it, right?
1: Yeah, and MicroStrategy, uh, you know, arguably is really the 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 company Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy is really the, you know, uh the wave that the whole industry needed. right to talk other CEOs uh and organizations into putting some of their reserves into Bitcoin. Um they've made an incredible amount of purchases uh in Bitcoin, uh much more than than Tesla actually. Oh yeah. And um yeah, it's absolutely fi- fascinating. I think that, you know, if you talk to someone like Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy, you'll, you'll discover that it's not about how much you make on Bitcoin to someone like that and to a Bitcoiner, right? Because that I think, I'm excited that you brought this up because there's a fundamental misunderstanding that I think almost everyone has about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And that is, Bitcoin isn't an investment. Right. And has never meant to be an investment.
0: Okay.
1: Bitcoin is a new financial infrastructure for the age of the internet. And it is a distributed system that allows all of its participants to utilize it without a third party or without government or Federal Reserve control, right? Allowing for the separation of. Money and state, just like the separation of church and state, therefore allowing for a better society. That's the reason Bitcoin exists. It's the hardest asset we've ever known. You know, it's hard money, it's real money, right? What is Bitcoin backed by? It is real money. What is fiat backed by? Not gold. What is gold backed by? We understand that already from earlier in the conversation. So, Bitcoin is real money just like gold is real money those are the two real monies that we know on earth Um, and so it isn't about how much money and put that in quotes that you make on your bitcoin investment right you should really only be paying attention to the amount of bitcoin you have right it doesn't matter what the value is when you say this company bought 1.5 billion dollars in bitcoin it's like the life of that statement is so short because next week that's going to be different, right? And in the mm-hmm. short term, whether oh, that's yeah. up or down doesn't really matter because in the long term, it's up,
0: right? Okay, yeah, that's so. I was actually going to ask you, I was like, do you see this as like a hold asset for something to like, like an investment, um, or as like the actual? payment method for the future
1: that's Um, the whole rolling out concept that i need that analogy for which is really that right now it's a hold asset Mm -hmm. later in life later in bitcoin's existence it's a currency
0: once it's broken down to the satoshis
1: Mm -hmm. right now it's a store of value it will be a unit of exchange it is already a unit of exchange it just doesn't have the flexibility or the speed in some ways that we need today um unless you are using a layer two solution, which certainly already exists and will continue to become better and better.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, my brain is um, (laughs) all over the place. And just, you know, I love like engineering and design and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. I built all of this. And um, I love that on like digital as well. It's Mm -hmm. very interesting to me. So just my brain is just so perplexed By the how detailed um, the whole blockchain Mm -hmm. Bitcoin thing is, because just I mean I just can't get past the idea of it being like completely untouchable Mm -hmm. to like a a person. Like you'd have to have the whole group agree, Mm -hmm. which at this point is impossible, essentially. Um, and until we get quantum computing and obviously you said you were talking about how we could move it into quantum chains. Quantum chains, it just makes it even more complex. And it's just like that is like it's like beautiful almost. It is beautiful. How like
1: I would describe it the same yeah, way. Yeah.
0: How intense and I would I mean, I'm sure there's millions of people that would love to under mm. like know who created it and like like the actual group or person Mm -hmm. because it's such a crazy thing. Yeah. We're
1: better off not knowing for sure, but why do you think so? I mean, if you have someone to pin down interview, prosecute, figure out exploit, then you have a weak point in a network. Um, And in this case, this isn't just a weak point. It's a very significant point of a network, right? However, again, again, even if we discovered who Satoshi Nakamoto is, or are, um, we—it's not like the network would go away or stop functioning properly. Right. Uh, but you know, I believe that Hal Finney was part of Satoshi Nakamoto, um, and he's no longer with us. Um, I think that the access to the Satoshi's wallet um, is uh, going to remain inaccessible forever. Interesting.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I'm super excited that we got to have this conversation because, I mean, I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd just like to thank you for coming out and uh, sitting down with me. Mm -hmm. I'd love to do it again in the future, maybe. Um, Go even more in
1: depth. We could talk about soccer next time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Thank
1: you. You're so welcome. Cheers.